0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. I am super excited to introduce you Mr. Connor Boyack. He is the writer and creator of the Tuttle Twins books, which have sold more than 5 million copies. They are amazing books. He's also just written a book called Mediocrity, which talks about our public school system and why we should homeschool and what our education has turned into. And also goes into another book of his called The Passion Driven Education, You are gonna learn a lot about homeschooling and why we should homeschool in this episode and why our public schools are failing us. So I'm so excited to introduce to you, Mr. Connor Boyack. Hi friends, are you ready to homeschool but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night, and are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child? Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator, and I wanna give you the clarity the confidence the freedom and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids so come on ladies let's go from hot mess express to fierce and fun and let's get hooked on homeschool hey connor how are you doing today
1: i'm doing great thanks for having me on
0: I'm so excited. I'm so excited for parents to really understand what it is you do because I think between the Tuttle Twins book and I think you've got something else going on, you've got a lot of valuable information for us. And go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and also what you have going on.
1: So I am what I like to call a graduate of the public fool system. I, uh, I grew up in California and went to uh, all the normal school and didn't like it and had a hard time and didn't really enjoy my experience. Fast forward in life, I, my wife and I decided to homeschool. Our kids are 14 and 12. They've been homeschooled their, their whole lives. And so I've written a lot of books and material to help the homeschooling community, frankly, selfishly to help my own kids and then be of service more broadly to others. I speak often at Homeschool conferences. I just got back from one last week. I am best known for, as you mentioned, the Tuttle Twins books. These have sold over five million copies. They help kids learn about how the world works, how money works, why entrepreneurship is important, what our rights are, and where they come from, how we actually are educated, and uh, and so all these kind of big adult ideas, like economic ideas or civic or historical ideas, we simplify and teach them through storytelling and beautiful illustrations, So it's fun for kids to read what otherwise would be a really boring topic for them. Like if you sat a kid down and said, here's a textbook on entrepreneurship so you can learn about business plans and that like, you know, they're not going to be interested. But if it's a fun story and they're like, oh, wow, cool. Like these kids are starting a business. Maybe I could do that too. So, So that's a large part of what we do is just trying to inspire kids to learn about these ideas, have amazing conversations as a family about them. And and so help mom and dad be able to deepen their children's understanding and engage them a little bit more and and have more meaningful conversations as a result.
0: And for people who have never opened a Tuttle Twin book, it is not just a regular book giving you facts about different things. They are so cute. One of the books that just come to my mind was about a pencil, like how a pencil is made. The teacher takes the twins to a factory and it doesn't just talk about this particular pencil but it goes on all the different people and all the different countries that have to come together where they get their lead from where they get the paint from i think was from maybe india the lead was from a different country and how it all comes together and everybody every country works together and they're so cute there's such great cute stories it's such a great idea to gather the family around and to talk about these things because sometimes we need things to talk about you know you're sitting there with your 14 year old And they don't really want to talk about their day, but you read one of these books and yes, it it can be geared toward a three-year-old, but it can also be geared toward a 14-year-old because they're interested in that and they want to hear how this world works. You did such a great job.
1: Thank you. And then that honestly was the biggest revelation or surprise when we did this. We thought, okay, we're going to create these children's books. They're for kids age five to 10. You know, they're cute kind of drawings, simple stories and we started getting all these emails in the following months from parents who would say that their teenagers were also reading. I'm like, "Wait, what?" you know? And so, and I'd get emails from people saying, "My kids hate to read, but they love reading your books or things like this." So what we came to realize after like a couple of years of talking to parents, trying to understand, what have we tapped into? What why are why is this working so well? It's the realization that like like think of Thanksgiving dinner when you were a teenager and and the big table was filled with all the aunts and uncles and your parents, and there wasn't any more room. And so you had to sit at the little kid's table, right? You, you didn't want to do that. You wanted to aspire to be like, you know, the adults and the, and the kids want to be like the teenagers. And we're all always trying, you know, when we're young to like reach for something bigger. But our educational material treats kids like they're at their own age and doesn't really challenge them. Our books, even this book for like, you know, seven-year-olds, it has engaging ideas about real world Important substantive things. Sure, the illustrations are a bit more cutesy than a you know 15-year-old might otherwise normally read, but the ideas are fresh and they're interesting to them. And so we started realizing that these aren't so much children's books as family educational resources where over half of the parents who get our books tell us that they're learning new things for the first time. And so, you know, it's it's reaching the whole family. And that's what's super fun, is is it's one thing for a mom to say, here, kid, here's a curriculum for you to learn the alphabet or or algebra or whatever. It's another thing to be reaching and teaching the entire family and inspiring them to have these awesome conversations together.
0: Yeah, you have done such a service for families with these books because a 14-year-old needs to know these things. But why would you say it's important, What, especially in this day and age of what is going on right now, why is it important for for children to understand the history of our country, and why the things in this country are so unique and what makes it important?
1: So this is a fun question. Two years ago, no, gosh, a little over three years ago, I went on Amazon and eBay and I bought a whole bunch of social studies books that are being used in like fourth through eighth or ninth grade, trying to understand how, because my my observation was there's a lot of ignorance in our society and all these kids who become voters, you've probably seen those man on the street videos where they're asked basic civic questions and they just don't know and they're totally wrong. And so my feeling was, okay, we're not educating kids well in, in the classroom. Let's go look at the textbooks. So our team bought like a dozen textbooks and these textbooks are the commonly used ones. So like 80% plus of kids in America are using one of these books as their text. So we read through them and we do this whole analysis. And and the the simple version of this is all of these books that we got were fantastic at teaching facts, names, dates, minutiae, right? Right on this date this person wrote a letter to this at this convention they said this thing and the clouds looked like this on that day and they shot this type of musket and and the books were just full of of historical information so they were teaching they were teaching about history here's all the stuff that happened none of these books however taught like the substance the, the ideas the philosophy the values You've probably heard of this quote, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. It's a very well known quote. We're all familiar with this quote. The problem is, none of these textbooks are teaching kids to learn from the past. They're simply teaching kids about the past. It's like we're walking kids through an American history museum and we're like, look at the uniforms they used to wear. And, you know, look at this hardtack that they had to eat in Valley Forge or whatever. Okay, kids, let's go to the cafeteria. And it's this very passing review history that kids like me, I was the kid who would raise my hand and be like, why are we learning this? And they would say, "You know, put your hand down, it's going to be on the test. So we actually, at the time we're recording this just a couple of weeks ago, released our second American history book. These are big 250 page hardback, fully illustrated books focused on American history. So we just came out with volume two. And what we're trying to do with these books is everything that all those other books did wrong. Yes, we're teaching about stuff that happened. You can't talk about history without talking about some of the stuff that happened. But the heavy focus in our books is the ideas and the philosophy. What were they debating? What were the things that were happening that we can relate to our day? So in our book, every time we're talking about one of these major things, we share a modern example. We're like, look, they dealt with this, you know, 250 years ago. And here was their debate. And here's what the outcome was. Oh, hey, here's this thing that happened just a few years ago. How do you think we should apply those same like ideas and, and observations to today? Only then are we going to be helping kids to learn from the past so that we stop repeating the mistakes of the past. I think this is why there's so much support for all kinds of crazy nonsense in the rising generation right now is because they're not being taught history. They're not being taught who we are as a people. So we're losing our national identity. We're losing our social cohesion because there's a lot of historical ignorance and kids just don't know. So we're trying to solve that with our new American history
0: books. Well, if anybody can pull it off, it would be you guys. And so I know it's going to be great. They won't teach that in school. Like, are you going to be able to get this into any schools or or how are you going to do that? We're actually,
1: yeah, we're trying. And we've got some private schools and a few charter schools who are interested in using this history book. So I have someone on staff and her whole job is to just get these books placed in schools and find interested teachers and school owners So more often it's the private schools that maybe are a little bit more ideologically aligned or they have more flexibility where they can kind of, you know, bring in a new book like this. But I will say that half of the Tuttle Twins audience is homeschoolers. The other half, they're private, public, charter school. And what's interesting to me is those parents recognize that their kids are not being taught this stuff in school and also that they're being taught quite opposite ideas. And so for them, the Tuttle Twins is kind of a counteragent. Right. It's like, hey, I know your mind's been filled with all this nonsense at school. Hey, let's read a story tonight, you know, before bedtime to kind of understand how things really work. Or popular thing is like right now during summer, a lot of parents will use our materials during the summer as kind of a summer school type of approach when the kids aren't in school. It's like, oh hey, let's spend some time going through this curriculum or whatever. So so we we recognize that like we're very homeschool friendly, obviously, and tons of homeschoolers use us as, as reference. But even if you're not homeschooling, these resources can be an aid to your family as
0: well. Yeah. So if you're a parent and you have kids, teach your kids about the history of this country because we might not have it for very much longer. We need to l- let the kids understand why this country is so unique and why we need to keep those values and learn about our mistakes in the past. So what else are you working on? You've got the Tuttle Twins books, you've got the encyclopedias, the history books, and then you're having another book coming out called Mediocrity.
1: Yeah, so so I, I've written 41 books in total. I, I have a problem. So if there's a 12-step program that anybody knows about for, for authors, I should probably be in it. I'm kind of addicted to, to writing. And about two dozen of those are Tuttle Twins books, but then I write a lot of other ones. And so this recent one that came out a few weeks ago, Mediocrity, This, so there's a story to tell here, and the story goes like this, that, that recently this group got together called the National Commission on Excellence in Education, and this group spent about 18 months going across the country in America, trying to assess how schools were working. What's the curriculum like? How well are the students doing? How well are the teachers doing? What are the problems? What are the opportunities? They spent a year and a half doing this whole listening tour, going across the country, talking to all these people at the conclusion of this 18-month study, they write a report. They called it an open letter to the American people. The title of the report was A Nation at Risk. And they, in the report, they said, among other things, that America's foundations were being eroded by a rising tide of mediocrity. And that if a foreign government had attempted to impose upon America the very mediocre educational performance that now exists today, they said, we might have viewed it as an act of war. As it stands, we've allowed this to happen to ourselves. Now, I I told a little fib at the beginning of this story, this, I I said, this group recently did this review and this report. That was a lie. What was recent was the 40th anniversary of that report. It came out in 1983, over four decades ago. They said that America's education was mediocre. And it was eroding the foundations of our country. So when I share this story at you know conferences or, or speaking, I'll then ask the audience, okay, raise a hand, who believes that America's education system has improved in the last 40 years? And literally, I probably asked, I don't know, 20,000 plus people this question over the years. No one has ever been so bold as to raise their hand when I asked that question, because we all recognize that it's declined. So if it was mediocre 40 years ago, what is it today? So the point of our book, Mediocrity, we published it on the 40th anniversary of that event. So this was April 26th, just a, a few weeks ago at the time we we're recording this. And the point of the book is to be a wake-up call. So, so COVID, I think, was a wake-up call to a lot of families, like seeing what their kids were being subjected to or, or monitoring Zoom school and seeing what the teachers were teaching. A lot of parents are upset about what's in the libraries and, and different curricula and so forth, right? However, a lot of families have kind of like gone back into the system. It's like, oh, I was a homeschooler for a little while, and oh, I, you know, I want to go back to work, or I want to, I'm sick of my kids, or whatever, right? And they kind of put their kids back in. The point of our book, Mediocrity, is to be like a machine gun of information to these parents to be a wake up call, like COVID was. Basically, the idea is this: Hey, mom, hey, dad, like you have some reservations about the school system. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. When you read this book, you will have like it's your red pill moment to see just how bad it is in ways that you may never have imagined. And, and you know, I went to the public fool system and so did my parents and so did their parents. It's just what you did. And so many people are on autopilot and they don't stop to question the nature of the system. They don't uh, stop to question its output, like how well is this doing? Are they cultivating characters and and attitudes and, and outcomes that I want for my child? Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he has this thing where he says, begin with the end in mind. Like focus first on where you wanna end up and then kind of reverse engineer it, right? Fairly simple co- uh, concept. I think that is critical for parents. What are the, the, the character attributes the the knowledge and the experiences that you want your child to have when they leave the home okay great let's come up with that list here's 10 things that we really value as parents do you think the public school system is going to be conducive to those things well if not then hey maybe you know let's let's take a different decision so mediocrity is really meant for for parents who are like on the fence or who are homeschool curious or maybe they homeschooled a little bit but then they were kind of drawn back into the system this book is for them to say like you, you need to pause and, and consider the full iceberg underneath the, the water line and really see how bad things are in the schools today. It's not like they were 30 years ago. It's not what your teacher, the principal is telling you and you, you you're unaware of all the other problems that are happening. This book is meant to kind of be a wake up call for parents like that.
0: Hi friends, are you wanting to homeschool but you just don't even know where to start? If so, I have got some exciting news to share with you. Did you know that I have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling? Plus, I'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way. I invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com. Well, I will definitely have a link in the show notes because I think everybody should get this book and really understand what exactly is going on in our school system. But what do you tell the parent who is like, I send my kid to school, they're fine.
1: So a variation on this question, which I also hear in addition to that one is, I went to public school and I turned out fine. So why not my kids, right? So both both questions, I answer the same way. And that is, the frog in the pot of boiling water. What you consider fine has been so dumbed down over the decades and generations. And, and so it's like in eighth grade math, right? When you get an A on the test, even though you only got half the questions, right? Well, how is that possible? It's because you were being graded on a curve. You were being compared to your peers. And so maybe you were a bit better than them. So when you say, oh, my kid's doing fine, or I turned out fine, that's a relative comparison. Like, like how how do you how do you define fine? Like oh they're they're ahead of their peers or they're you know top of the class or they're they're doing okay they're getting good grades but you're not comparing those results objectively, not not comparing them to their peers you're not saying okay like is my kid you know fully proficient in this just just a couple of weeks ago, a statistic came out from the NAEP scores they do the the standardized assessments across the country the national. Association of Education Professionals or whatever, right? And so they measured all eighth graders. Granted, this is in the public school system, but eighth graders across America, only 13% of them were proficient in American history. One three, not three zero, 13% were proficient in American history. So when you say things are fine, what, what you're really saying to me is that you're ignorant as to the true nature of how bad things are, how many kids can't read. How many kids don't understand history, how poor they're doing at math, how ignorant they are when they graduate high school, that they somehow made it with A's and B's and C's or whatever, all the way through high school. And they go to college. Did you know that, let's see, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head in four year universities, one in five students has to take remedial education. And what that means, what remedial education means is it means they're taking high school classes over again in college. And in two year, you know, like the associate programs and stuff, it's 40%, 40% of students are having to take remedial. So don't tell me that your kid is fine because sure, if they're compared to their mediocrity, like the mediocrity in the system, maybe they're like at par or doing a little bit above. But if you, if you, we share this in mediocrity, if you go back to, let's say the late 1800s and you get a test, like an eighth grade test, I share in the book, some example questions from one of these tests. Eighth grade test a century and a half ago, hardly any adults could could answer any of the questions on that test, let alone eighth graders today. Like we have been so progressively dumbed down in our curriculum and our intellectual rigor in this country that when you go back and you look at history and what kids were being expected to learn and what they were learning and what they could retain and apply, it was way ahead of what we're doing today. So don't tell me that anything is fine. Like, like we're, we're, you know, playing Fiddler, you know, while the, the Titanic is sinking type of thing, right? That is the level of concern we should have today. And if a parent tells me that, that things are fine, again it just tells me that they don't really understand how bad things are that they kind of you know have their ears in their finger they're closing their eyes and they're not really aware so my job is to then expose them to some of these things so they're like oh i didn't realize it was that bad maybe i should pay more attention it's just kind of a cop out it's ignorance and i don't mean ignorance from a kind of in a pejorative hostile sense cuz we're all ignorant on things in, in various degrees i just mean they simply lack the information to make a fully informed decision and so they're t- claiming that things are fine. They just need more information. And so I want to give it to them. And that's why we did Mediocrity in, in particular.
0: And and that's great. You're doing it because a lot of people, there, there's people out there actually fighting for this country, writing these books, letting us understand about our public school system. But it's it's, it's you have to search for it. It's not just going to come out. If you're not looking for it to see what's wrong, you're not going to find it. Now, in your book, do you also cover, you know, someone might say, oh, my child's fine, they get straight A's, but they have major anxiety. They have major test anxiety. They have a lot of social emotional issues because to me, that that really isn't fine as well. So do you also talk about that?
1: Oh, absolutely we do. And, and maybe I'll address it this way. We, we don't so much get it these days, but a decade or more ago, you'd get the, you know, socialization question about homeschooling quite a bit. Right, like, oh, I I can't imagine homeschooling. I want my my kids to be properly socialized and everything. And I say, okay, interesting concern. Let's pause and and analyze it. What type of socialization happens in in the government schools? Right, like all the bullying and the cheating and the the sexting and the the drugs and all the things. Right, the disrespect, the indifference, the apathy. Like, is is the the public school system such that They are helping produce the type of social qualities that you desire in your child. And so as part of that, with the way the system is built and the academic expectations with all the homework and all the jumping through hoops just to regurgitate things on tests, it does create for quite a number of kids this high level of of anxiety and some of these mental health problems that oftentimes you don't see in more relaxed environments, especially where children are able to, number one, go at their own pace, but number two, follow their own path. I hated, you know, one of the things I hated about school was having to conform to someone else's standards. Again, why do I need to learn this? Oh, because someone else decided, you know, every seventh grader has to learn this thing. Like we educate children in in this system. They learn the same things at the same time in the same way, but we're all different. That's ridiculous to, to conform us all to a system, which is why homeschooling, the potential of homeschooling is so great. I should qualify. I don't like the word homeschooling because too often families just school in the home. And they they think, oh, we're in the four walls of our own home. And yeah, my kids aren't around those bullies anymore, or the you know, the sexting or the whatever. So now it'll be okay. But academically they treat the curriculum and the and the information all the same way. They say, Oh, you have to learn this. Every seventh grader needs to know this, every eighth grader needs to know this, and they cram their kids' heads full of all this information, thus repeating the problems that are in the school system. And so I, I talked more about that. Actually, I have another book called Passion Driven Education. And in that book, I talk about the importance of honoring a child's individual curiosities and interests. And rather than making them conform to an education system, you adapt an education system to their unique traits. Like as a religious person, I think my kids are kind of preordained with talents and interests and a future that I don't know. My job is to help them discover that. And so I want to, you know, identify, okay, what are they interested in? What, what are they resonating with? And let, let's lean into that rather than say, oh, no time for that interest. You need to do your 45 minutes of geography curriculum right now. Like it's it's asinine. And, and I'll mention one other thing before uh, wrapping this up. So I've mentioned I've spoken to a lot of like homeschool groups and stuff over the years. And my observation is that you know it's primarily the moms and and that a lot of them get their own level of anxiety, right? It's not just the kids. A lot of homeschool moms burn out and, and are very anxious. Why? Many reasons, but I think in the top three, if not the top, is that they have false expectations about themselves. They think that to be a homeschooling mom, they need to be the English teacher and the biology teacher, and the history teacher, and the algebra teacher. And they think, well, I wasn't good in algebra in school. Crap, you know, now I have to teach my kid. And my kid's going to fall behind because I'm a bad, I'm not good at math. And so they set up these false expectations for themselves and create a lot of anxiety and stress, right? And so when I'm speaking about this, I'm like, let me now release you from that obligation. Those burdens are now completely gone. You do not have to be the teacher of anything. All you have to be is a good Googler. All you have to do is be a resource provider for your kids. That's it. If your kids are curious about something or they express an interest or they ask a question, show them how you find information. Oh, hey, let's Google that and let's see what we can find. Oh, hey, let's go to the library and find a book or let's go to YouTube and watch a video. If if your kids simply learn how to research information, they will be so much better equipped in in life. And I know I said I was going to stop yapping, but one other idea comes to mind that I think has a, a really good connection here. So let's imagine that your refrigerator breaks, okay? So now you've got this, the, the food's getting warm, it's, it's it's malfunctioning, what do you do? Never in, in, in any adult's life do they respond to a broken refrigerator and say, gee, I'm glad that nine years ago when we got this refrigerator, I read through the 37-page manual just in case... This happens so that I have the information. I like Nobody does that. No one reads that thing. So as adults, the way we learn and operate is using what I call a just-in-time model. Just-in-time for when your refrigerator breaks, you're going to go review the manual or watch a YouTube video or call a friend or whatever. Just-in-time for when you need it, you acquired the information to set you on your path. The school system teaches kids using a not, not a just-in-time model, but a just-in-case model right? Just in case you need to know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell 40 years from now in your career, we're going to require you to memorize that today. We're going to require you to memorize the quadratic equation just in case you become an astrophysicist, right? Just in case, like it's just asinine and we don't learn this way. So these are where I think a lot of the anxieties come from. And in homeschooling, if, if we can make sure we're not schooling in the home, but we're actually honoring the individuality of, of our children and building a curriculum around their unique path, which I talk about in passion-driven education. To the extent that we can do that, I see the anxieties plummeting because what we're telling kids is, oh, hey, you're really interested in music? Great. Let's allow you to go really deep into that and find ways, hey, write an essay about Beethoven. And so there's your English for the day, right? And, and, uh, and you, know, you can do all kinds of things around their interests. And when you're telling a child that they get to do what they love, like We all love that. We all love doing what we love rather than being forced to do what someone else is telling us to. And so when you have a more passion-driven approach to education, the, the anxieties completely are, are eliminated because you're honoring their individuality rather than forcing them to conform to someone else's standard.
0: That's so true. So what do you like to call, you don't like to call it homeschooling. What is the word you like to use?
1: Well, I still use homeschool just because it's like the term of choice, but I'll often say like child-led learning or home education, but but I don't even like the home aspect of homeschooling because learning happens everywhere. It's online and it's out at the park and it's...
0: Passion learning.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I titled it Passion Driven Education, because I think that's how, we, that's how we learn, like we learn things we're interested in. Some nights I'll be up till three in the morning reading random Wikipedia pages about some random historical thing from 400 years ago, because I find it interesting. And so I want that information. And when you want information, you retain it, and then later apply it. And so when we're forcing kids to memorize all this stuff that they don't want, and they have no context or relevance for, it's pump and dump, we're pumping in their head, they later dump it out. But instead, if we inspire kids based on their interests are like, like one of the books, uh, one of the examples in the book I share was Angry Birds. My son, at the time I wrote the book, was really passionate about Angry Birds. And if I so much as mentioned the word Angry Birds, he would like be laser focused on the conversation. And so I incorporated and I explain in the book how I did this. I incorporated algebra and uh, I taught him spreadsheets. We learned about e-commerce and coding, how you make apps, graphic design. I taught him physics, cause you like fling the birds, you know? And and uh, and so what is force and mass and acceleration and gravity? And like all of these things I was able to teach him, they had context because he was passionate about Angry Birds and he loved it. It was not me sitting down and saying, let's learn physics today. And here's this, you know, curriculum worksheet that we're... No, I was helping him understand a world that he was already curious about and he ate it. Right now it's Pokemon. If I find any hook to Pokemon and, and do anything Pokemon related, he's all about it. But the point is, like, Kids are going to retain and apply that information that they have a personal connection to. We as parents need to better honor and pay attention to what those personal connections are and then build a a curriculum structure around that. Man, they will learn and and retain and apply so much more information that way rather than us taking the easy, lazy route, which is, oh, I bought this curriculum at this homeschool convention I went to. Here's what you're going to do for 30 minutes a day for the next, you know. Three years of your life. Like that's soul sucking for kids. It's why kids are so depressed in school, why there's so many behavioral issues, because we are depriving them of their individuality. And so I think that is the full promise of homeschooling or whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of why we focus on passion driven education. I think that's the way to to best help kids thrive.
0: Oh wow. You have just really inspired me. I totally believe in passion. You have the book called Passion Driven Education because it is, it's all about their passion. I think parents are just afraid they're gonna fail their kids for their kids as they get older, but letting them follow their passion, that's how you are gonna get your child to win. Thank you so much. You were so inspiring, so amazing. Your books, everything that you're doing for our children is just so inspiring. So maybe I hope one day you'll come back for a part two because I feel like there's so much to learn from you. You have so much to get out to the world. And thank you so much for being a hero to a lot of our children.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: You're absolutely welcome. Thank you. Hi, friend. Before you go, I want to thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five-star review. Your review will help me improve and reach more listeners who could benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, keep exploring and discovering new ways to make your homeschooling a fun and enjoyable experience. Happy homeschooling!